You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. We're talking with Dr. Lauren Levine about cybersecurity in the dental practice. Dr. Levine is a periodontist and president and CEO of The Digital Dentist. He is recognized nationally as an expert in information technology, specifically how it relates to the dental industry. Thanks, Dr. Levine, for joining us for this Viva podcast. My pleasure, Phil. Thank you for having me on. So we'll start right in. Um, So, Lauren, there's been a lot of chatter in the last year or two about cybersecurity. We hear it on the news. We read about it. Uh, Could you explain to our listeners what that term actually means? The term cybersecurity has been used a lot uh, over the last few years. Um, You know, we all have our own definitions of it. For me, you know, you're basically talking about a set of techniques that are used to protect the integrity of your network, the programs, and the data that, that's on those uh, computers from attack, from damage, or from unauthorized access as well. Um, really, you know, the, the core of what cybersecurity involves is trying to protect that really valuable information from cyber threats, and these threats can take on many different forms. There's what we call application attacks, malware, which is uh, viruses and worms and spyware, ransomware, which we'll get into. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about these ransomware viruses that lock your files and mm-hmm. demand that you pay a ransom to get them unlocked. Uh, there's what's called phishing, where you basically get an email that's trying to gather information from you exploit kits. There's, there's a lot of different things that uh, would really uh, fall under the definition of, of cybersecurity. But it's, for more or less, you know, for basic terms, it's taking your data that you've got and doing everything in your power to protect it. That would probably be my definition for dental offices. It's a scary thing that's going on out there, uh, for sure. So why is this, I mean, it's an obvious question, but if you elaborate on it for our listeners, um, why is this so important for dental offices to have a full understanding of the threats? Um, and as you, you know, as we go further into the podcast, you'll certainly tell us some of the things they can do about it. Sure. So, you know, there's two types of data that you need to worry about, your own data and the patient data. Your own data, I mean, most of us are using online every day, all day long for everything, for banking, for Amazon, for, for credit cards. This is all data that you have on your computer. So, you know, from from that standpoint, you obviously want to do everything in your power to keep that information protected. Where I think it becomes more critical is when we're talking about patient information. Mm -hmm. Patients have entrusted us with their critical data, and we're talking about some very important private data. First off, we're obviously talking about their their, men, their medical and, and dental histories. That is certainly their information. Um, most dental records have information like photos, uh, credit card information, addresses, phone numbers, social security numbers. Uh, when you actually, you know, not that I go spend a lot of time on the black market, but um, every report that I've seen that a, a health record pretty much has the highest value on the black market of any record. It, it's a, a value to thieves who obviously want to, uh, you know, take that information, perhaps uh, mimic you and, and, you know, get your information, pose it, poses you, you know, identity theft type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have a lot of value to marketers 
who are looking to market products or, or services. Um, and, and, and to me, the whole rationale behind this is that patients have an expectation that we're going to do everything in our power to keep their information secure and confidential. That's the basis of cybersecurity. You know, we're going to get a little bit into HIPAA today. We'll, we'll talk about that more in another series, really dive into some of the HIPAA stuff. Um, but I think that's a very reasonable expectation that, mm-hmm. you know, they're saying, hey, I'm going to let you use my data. Make sure nobody else gets it. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, that's, yeah, I, that's what we, we all should be doing right. uh, in, in, the, in the dental field. There's a trust factor there between the patient and the doctor for sure. So are there any rules currently or laws out there that our listeners may not be aware of that pertain to cybersecurity and and their dental practice? You know, most of the rules are more HIPAA related, which I said we're we're definitely going to get into a little more detail about that. You know, in the HIPAA rules and regulations, they do have some stuff about the need for firewalls, which we'll talk about, and anti-malware. One of the things with HIPAA that anyone that's read through it is aware of is that the rules, for the most part, are very nonspecific. What the the framers of HIPAA realized, which I think was actually good on their part, is that the specifics that we have in place now may not be what's in place in 10, 15, 20 years, and they didn't want to get too specific. As an example, um, you might find a little stuff in HIPAA about passwords, and certainly passwords are a requirement, and we recommend them for everybody, but most of us are, are seeing a, a, a trend of getting away from passwords, using things like uh, iris scanners, fingerprint readers, other ways, you know, facial recognition, that there's a lot of other methods there for identification that goes beyond password. And as you know, with passwords, you know, a lot of people, a lot of offices that I visit, uh, they've set up a very complex password, and that password is sitting on a sticky note that's attached to the monitor. So, right, right. you know, what what good does it what it do what it do you there? So, you know, that's the the, the basic gist of what's happening is that you know because HIP is not all that specific, um, they don't give you a whole ton of, of guidance. Right. The one thing which we'll get into, as I said, which is really critical, is what's called the breach notification rule. And when your cybersecurity breaks down, when you have failed to adequately protect that information and you become aware of the fact that that has happened, what are the steps that you need to take at, at that point? Now, on that level, HIPAA is very non-specific, uh, sorry, not, not non-specific, they are extremely specific. Right. <laughs> That's one of the few things that they really uh, will, will tell you what you what you need to do. But, um, you know, I think a lot of the cybersecurity, not so much about laws, I think a lot of it really just boils down to common sense. You know, what would you want done if this was your data? What would you want the person that holds the data to do to protect that information, keep it secure, keep it confidential? And these are the things that you should be doing for your patient's information. Mm-hmm. Now, in your experience, are most dental offices prepared against cybersecurity threats? No. <laughs> I wish it were otherwise. Uh, I work with offices every day. I travel all over the, the country, actually all over North America. I have a, a number of clients up in Canada as well. Um, wow. Do you still have time to practice? Do you still have time to practice perio? 
Nope. I, I started a number of years ago. I was doing both and it got so busy. I was uh, working in between patients and on evenings and weekends. I said, you know, this is nuts. You know, I've got to make a decision. And uh, I decided on this. The, the, the beauty of this is that I honestly didn't love doing perio. I love technology. I love cybersecurity. I love HIP. I love everything about the, the IT part of dental practice. And as a periodontist, I got to work every day with dental offices, and I still get to work every day with dental offices. So I, I really love this. I feel like I'm making more of, a, of an impact uh, doing this than, than I was sitting chairside. Um, and Amplifieds wouldn't have time. I and mean, we, We've worked with over 3,000 offices. We have hundreds of offices that we handle uh, their cybersecurity and HIPAA and IT needs for them. There's no way I could be practicing eight hours a day and have time for all the other things that we have to do on a daily basis. We just don't see um, offices being as prepared as they can. And honestly, I think a lot of that is just not having the information that they need. I think the ADA as an organization hasn't really done the best job in educating dental offices on cybersecurity and HIPAA rules and regulations. I think most offices just don't have a good resource for that, whether it's talking to their colleagues or, you know, their, their local IT providers. It's not something that everybody's up on. So, uh, most of the offices that I work with just haven't done enough. You know, maybe they've got some antivirus software in place. Maybe somebody set up a, a firewall for them, but they really don't know how to, to edit it or what it's actually doing. So, um, you know, that's one of the reasons for this podcast, hopefully, is that to get right. the word out that there's more things people need to do. Yeah, so, yeah, we're going to talk. I know you you have another podcast scheduled, which is how to know if you've been compromised and several more after that, which um, we're excited to do with you. So do you normally get contacted once there's a breach or do dentists reach out to you for advice when they're uh, buying a practice or how does that work? All of the above. My hope, of course, is that someone's going to contact me before there's a breach. And, you know, we have different classes of clients. We, we do certainly have a number of people who are either fresh out of school or coming out of an associateship where they're, they're starting their own practice and they want to do it right from the get-go. We certainly do have a, a number of clients who have just purchased a practice and they know when they were looking at the practice and they saw that these old computers and you know, no firewalls, no, no HIPAA stuff in place. They knew they were going to have to get up to speed pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we have had a few people who are notified of a breach. The, the challenge with that is that normally when you get notification that the auditors are coming, they're going to give you about 10 days before they show up. And for some of the things that we do for an office, 10 days is more than enough time for us to help get some of the stuff in place. Uh, but a lot of the stuff that really needs to be done, and we'll talk about this a lot more when we, when we go into, into the HIPAA uh, episodes, mm -hmm. but a lot of the stuff, there's no way that you can get that done in, in 10 days. So my hope is that people are going to try to get the information they, they need ahead of time. Where we find that it sometimes is a challenge for offices, and this gets a little bit more into HIPAA, is that one of the things that HIPAA says you have to do, and this would really relate to cybersecurity, is a risk assessment. You have to know what the risks are before you can handle them. No different than seeing patients. You can't treatment plan a patient until you've diagnosed first. 
a risk assessment, if it's done properly, it's going to take hours and hours and hours, and it's got to be thorough, and it should develop their version of the treatment plan. It's called the HIPAA management plan. The, the risk that offices run is that we've seen offices that have gone through that process of doing the risk assessment and having a plan in place, but they'd never get around to actually dealing with the things on that plan. That is a significantly greater risk because if you're ever audited at that point, mm-hmm. they consider that to be what's called willful neglect. There, there's basically four levels of HIPAA fines and penalties, and the lowest would be that, and we'll get into this in our next session, about you know not even being aware that there was ever a problem, all the way up to, yeah, you knew about this and you didn't do anything about it. Uh, that's what's called willful neglect. And, and for your listeners, if, you know, these are the ones where you hear about in the news, the, the big organizations that have these huge settlements, multi-million dollar settlements, fines and penalties. It's because of the fact that they knew about the problems and just for various reasons decided they weren't going to do anything about it. Yeah, that's that's scary. So the, you have to be prepared. Uh, the practice has to know what kind of infrastructure, technology infrastructure they have in place. And um, they certainly need expert advice on, on how to put this all together to protect the patient's information and themselves against uh, any kind of audits and, and monetary legal settlements, et cetera. Um, well, it's good that you're around to help them with this. And, and you don't miss perio anymore. Going back, <laughs> you know, I'm, an end, I'm a retired endodontist. I, I don't practice anymore either. I got into Viva Learning. But uh, so in, in a way, we're, we're similar that way. We both got into technology. And uh, I do miss doing root canals, so uh, I was hoping you missed a little perio procedures yourself. I miss the patients. I, I miss the people. I, I miss the staff that I had. They were they were great. Um, you know, I love doing implants. That that was my favorite thing. You know, when I was practicing in Vermont, I was the only periodontist in the state at the time doing implants. Hmm. So the lion's share of the cases went to the oral surgeons, and I had to spend years trying to educate my referring offices that hey, I'm a periodontist. I may know a thing or two about soft tissue and bone. I, right. I think I can handle this. I think the periodontists um, so, still have that challenge to some extent. They, they do, but <laughs> most of what I did was tissue grafts and osseous surgery, and people hated coming in. They they left feeling worse, looking worse. Uh, it just wasn't uh, it wasn't as enjoyable as I thought it was going to be uh, with dealing with, with perio patients. So yeah. um, well, I like this a lot more. Yeah, maybe sometime in the future we'll do a podcast on, on your – transition from private practice into business so love it yeah so thanks so much dr levine we really appreciate the information and we are going to see you on upcoming viva podcast shortly thanks so much for being with us my pleasure thanks for having me